Welcome to You've Gotta Taste This, the podcast where food people tell you about recipes that you've simply got to taste. I'm your host, Adam Roberts, and I've been writing about food for almost 20 years. I love to cook, and even more, I love to talk about cooking. So let's get started. My guest today is Karin Sony, an actor who you might know from the movies Deadpool, Safety Not Guaranteed, and the TV show Miracle Workers. Here's the message he sent me. Hey Adam, it's Karin Sony, and you've got to taste this Kima Pow. Good luck. Kima Pow? What's Kima Pow? Well, you're about to find out on this week's episode of You've Got to Taste This. And if you'd like the recipe for this Kima Pow, be sure to check out my blog, The Amateur Gourmet, at amateurgourmet.com. All right, here's my talk with Karin Sony. All right, Karin, thank you so much for doing uh, You've Got to Taste This. I am so excited to talk to you about Kima Pow. Is that how you say it? That's right, yeah. So, okay, so I you came over for a dinner party. We should tell the full story. I know. Well, we should just say that, first of all, I'll just give my perspective, which is that we met in 2021. Is that correct? Uh-huh. Yes, I think and that's right. Back then you were like, you got to do my podcast. And then back then you were like, you got to have dinner at my place. And now we've done both. Yeah, it only took two two years. (laughs) Yeah, I I think, you know, I'm a little slow at like making these things happen. But once they happen, they happen really fast. But um, you were in my kitchen looking at my cookbooks and you got very excited because I had the Dishoom cookbook. And tell us about Dishoom and like your relationship to it. Well, so I had never been, but I'd always heard of it. And then during COVID, I feel like that was a big cookbook. I think it came out in 2020. That's uh-huh. when at least I got it. And then um, I live very close to Like You, India Sweets and Spices, the Indian grocery store. But I never shop there. I just go mm-hmm. to the one that's closer to me, Lassen's. Um, And then once I got that book, I was like, this is an excuse to go because peak COVID, everyone was going to Lassen's and Albertson's <laughs> and they were very crowded and no one was going to the Indian grocery store. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Okay. So I sort of, it was my little like early COVID, like I'm going to just make stuff from this book experience. And then I got to actually go to the uh, restaurant in person in, I think 2021. It's all a blur. Yes. And it's in London, right? It's a London based restaurant. Yes. It's in London uh, and Scotland, I believe. Oh, Um, cool. Yes. And um, there's like five or six of them now. I went to the one in Covent Garden and Kensington. Um, both were excellent. Um, and the concept and, is it's like Bombay style food? Is that Yeah. So it's basically like in Bombay, there's something called Parsi cafes, which is um, just these sort of cafes that have like a mixture of like street food, but also like popular Indian dishes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like a full regular Indian restaurant menu. And also a lot of them serve lunch. And that's the big thing with like big Indian restaurants is like they're more dinner places because it's mm-hmm. so heavy, the food. Um, but the Parsi cafes are sort of like you can just set up all day and just hang out there. And it's Got a very it. like Bombay sort of thing because there's a big Parsi community there. Um, so they sort of have that vibe. And actually, both times, I think when I went, I ended up going for lunch in the London one because it was so busy. Do you remember what um, you had when you went? Yes, I think I had um, the Akati roll the first time. I don't know if that's in the book. Okay. Um, which is basically like an Indian version of a burrito. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like good. Okay. On. Um, and then the second time I went for dinner, I basically I had like the full spread. Like I had like a few curries, I had some dal, I had the full like Indian meal with my uh, family. Um, but yeah, it it was very good. Um, well, I have so many questions to ask you, but I think I'm gonna like lead with this specific recipe. So when I reached out to you and I was like, you know, send me a recipe you're passionate about. I guess yeah. you remembered that I had this cookbook and you sent me yeah. actually you sent me the wrong recipe. Oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, well, because yeah, you, like, you were like you were like making yeah, this other key is a key what does kima mean? Do you know? Kima means like a lamb, like minced oh. lamb. So maybe um, you didn't send me kima, but you sent me something that I was all, it was like ground chicken. Um, maybe kima then means ground. It, I know it means mince, but I thought it meant minced lamb, but I could be wrong. Oh, I love how authoritative you were at the beginning. You were like, it means lamb. And now you're like, I don't even know what it means. Uh, but anyway, I, I, just as I was about to go shopping, I was like, okay, I'm shopping for the kima, whatever. And you were like, no, that's not the recipe. It was autocorrect. So you saved yes. the day. But the recipe, I described it once I made it and tasted it, which I loved. I yeah, think how did it go? It was so good. I mean... 
the hilarious thing that happened last night is I made all this Indian food. I made um, dirty chai cookies, which were really fun. Oh that had like espresso in them. And I made um, so good. the cheese toast from this book that you recommended, you I made, which was fantastic. That's like my childhood snack. Delicious. And I made um, this cookbook author named Mira Soda. Do you know her work? No. She has a great book called Fresh India, which I love. Oh. And she has a recipe for like cauliflower curry with like... Um, cashews and mm. peas so i made that anyway just as everyone got here and i was about to serve this incredible luscious feast the power went out what all, all our electricity went out so oh we had to light God. candles that doesn't really happen well no, it just, it I know. Happened, we just had rain in la and it happened a lot but people yeah. thought it was over wait how so, long was it out for for like an hour so i i wasn't oh sure whether God. to serve the kima yet or if I should wait. So I, I actually waited until the electricity came back on. So this is all a big, big build up to say that it was absolutely delicious. And I described it when I served it as almost like an Indian sloppy Joe. Does that make yes. sense? Yes, 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 yes. Because it's like loose meat in a way. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, And it's like, it's the one I picked because it, there's like a basic, as you'll cook, hopefully more of the dishing books. There's something that a lot of Indian curries require that that is technically not a curry, the chemo. So it mm-hmm. didn't require, which I think makes it easier to make. Okay. Um, but there's something called in the book an onion tomato masala which is basically like the base to make any curry and it can take like 25 to 30 minutes just to make that and it's mm-hmm. one of those things where you have to brown the onions and it yeah. gets right to them burning uh-huh. and i think the first few times you make it it does burn because you don't okay. want to stop it yeah um and i was just like i hope uh, but it's like the base for like any basically curry and i was like well how can we make you not do that <laughs> first time oh i'm glad and you then, see me yeah yeah and do something that's actually very approachable and doable but tastes very good i think um, do you know what step was the most shocking and the one i was most afraid of what adding yogurt to a hot mm-hmm. pan with oil and like garlic and ginger and onions and raising the heat and letting it separate. I was like, what? Cause that just <laughs> sounded so strange to me that you would want yeah. like your, your dairy to separate. But yeah. I have to say like the, so like, I, I, I feel like I'm skipping all over the place, but just to walk people through essentially what this is, is like you grate garlic and ginger and then you saute onions and olive and um, vegetable oil. You add the garlic and ginger. Mm-hmm. Then you add um, spices. You add um, coriander seeds, right? And um, yeah. And then you add the yogurt. Then you let that separate. Then you stir in ground up lamb and then you stir in like a herb paste made with coriander leaves and mint leaves and green chilies. Mm-hmm. And you let that all cook together and you add flour and bay leaves and peas. And I have to say, like, my first bite of it was truly stunning. Like, it was one of those moments. It doesn't happen very often, like, in my kitchen where I taste something that I truly have never tasted that combination before. But that combination of the yogurt, which was sour and Mm -hmm. sort of, like, tart, and then the herbaceousness of the cilantro and the Mm -hmm. um, mint, and then the, like, fattiness and gaminess of the lamb, like, was, like, a power punch of flavor so thank you for turning me oh, on to this yeah. what did you serve it did you serve it with any bread or anything or you yeah just... i did i followed yeah. your advice and i bought paratha frozen yeah. paratha and uh-huh. th- those are a revelation too that you go to the frozen section of the indian grocery oh my God, store there's so many there's like your ones freezer. that are stuffed yeah. with like spinach there's one stuffed with like potato yeah there's all sorts of stuff but it reminded um, me of like a like a flat croissant almost because it was so flaky. Yes, it's flaky. And then I love and you just flakiness. heat it up directly in the cast iron skillet. Like you just literally heat the skillet, just put it right in there, and then it starts to brown. And it's, and it's so like buttery, flaky. Yeah. But I, I, again, I don't bake, so I'm always like, "What's in this?" But it's <laughs> yeah, flaky. butter. It's very. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Is it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, uh, no, I believe that. Um, but yeah, it's very good together because it's sort of like the perfect like vehicle for it because it's not like. Oh yeah. And actually, I was just looking at this cookbook from Turkey and the Wolf, which is like a sandwich shop in New Orleans. I don't know if you mm-hmm. have gone there, um, but they use paratha like in one of their sandwiches as like the bread for their sandwich. Oh, so no I feel like it's having a moment. So thank it's you for leading me yeah. to So tell us like in your personal history, like did you grow up eating this dish or what's your relationship? Yeah, to I grew up, uh, we never, we didn't eat this as much at home. So I grew up in India and um, we ate, uh, uh, when I grew up, uh, I was obsessed with Western food. So all I wanted was a croissant and I did not want Indian food. Um, (laughs) But we would normally, this is pretty normal in India, is like you mainly eat vegetarian food at home Mm -hmm. and you don't really make like these kind of foods like curry and stuff that you'd have in a restaurant at home. You normally go out to get that. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess like 
an American version would be like most people don't like make a nice steak at home. They'll yeah. like go to a steakhouse or something, but they'll make like yeah. a PB and J or something. I don't know. So yeah, yeah. Um, I think you're it's, right. Yeah, so we would make like a lot of like that stuff. And so paranta, which is like more rich, we wouldn't eat as often at home. Mm-hmm. We would just have like a roti, which is just like much healthier. It's like whole grain and very has no butter it's just okay. water and like whole wheat and it's just like something to sop up the sauce um uh-huh. so indian food actually growing up to me was like very boring at home but then when we would go out um we would try this kind of stuff and so new delhi is like most of india there's actually a lot of muslim population and i believe kima is more of a muslim dish mm, um yeah. or mughlai dish um and um so it's like very sort of lamb in general is not something that is like Indian Indian we get it we eat it because it's like the Muslim population sort of brought it and made it more mainstream um and some of my favorite Indian restaurants are actually like Muslim like uh genre restaurants which are like kebabs and stuff like that which mm-hmm. is like more their food but we've sort of like adapted it um but this was always like something we had outside but in India I believe like lamb in general like was always like a treat it wasn't something that you have very often because there's no beef we're not allowed to eat beef because cows really? are super sacred so it's illegal to eat beef not <laughs> illegal like you would like really get yes, in trouble yeah. no place can serve it you cannot um there's some like five-star hotels that have gone special permission from the government to have like yeah. a beef dish on there so this was my other obsession was i was obsessed with beef because i was like what is it <laughs> <laughs> why are America, cows sacred i shouldn't know the answer to this but like why specifically they're just cows? sacred in the hindu religion it's yeah. like, um, I wish I knew a why, but basically they're so sacred that like, you'll see them everywhere. They're murals of cows everywhere you go. Yeah. There's cows behind like most vehicles. There's like a mural of them. Um, you'll, you'll see just wild cows on the city streets. Um, really? just hanging okay. <laughs> yes and um, they are sometimes just eating the trash on the ground and so you didn't often, have a dog growing up you had a cow no we did have a dog but there was you know a lot of neighborhood cows that just <laughs> I love it um, and yeah cows are so sacred that actually if you end up like getting in an accident and hitting a street cow it's worse than hitting a human being <laughs> like there no I'm serious there will be like a mob of people being like you have hit the most holy animal um and even yeah. now like there are certain groups in india that if they knew that you like have had beef in your life it's like no good like they'll get very mad it, well, it i'm is... scared to ask you like do you <laughs> do you eat beef so now i'm a vegetarian mostly i would say i'm like 90 percent vegetarian uh, but i have had a lot of beef in my life when i came out here because i was obsessed with like trying it and then i was i kind of went hard um, were you um, nervous that like the very first time that you bit into beef where you're like, oh, I'm going to get struck by lightning? Like, did you get? No, interesting, because I grew up in like a very non pretty much for the most part shame based household. And my parents oh, always good. encouraged like exploring and trying things. And so they were the ones who bought it for me. And they were just like, you should oh. try this. And it was not presented in like a scary way or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, and so I really liked it. Um, but it, I did, because it's one of those things where I was, I wasn't allowed to have it for so long. When I first came here, I felt like I was just blindly eating it without even tasting it. because <laughs> Someone's going to take it away. Um, but yeah, that's why specifically this dish is lamb and probably in a different culture, it might've been beef. Um, right. because, um, lamb is very like prevalent because we don't eat beef. So you said you didn't eat this kind of dish at home, but do you remember eating this at a specific place, like going to a specific you know, restaurant? Remember, not a specific place, but I've definitely, it's something that we definitely ordered and ate, like maybe once every few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be at like more of a Mughlai restaurant um, and not like a more traditional Indian restaurant. Um, mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's not, I can't remember if there's like a specific place, but I don't think so, um, where I remember like their version of it, but. And it's interesting, like I, when I wrote this cookbook like 10 years ago, it was called Secrets of the Best Chefs and I cooked with all these chefs and I cooked with um, this wonderful uh, Southern Indian chef who lives in the South. She lives in Atlanta named Asha Gomez. Mm. And um, and she she's from Kerala and she like mm-hmm. cooked all this food. But when, when it was time to serve it, she didn't give us a fork or knife or anything. Like right. It was like, <laughs> use your fingers, use your hands. And when I was eating this, I was kind of feeling, it reminded me of that a little bit with the paratha. Is it paratha? Is that how you say that? Paranta, yeah. 
paranta, like yeah. scooping that into there's something very visceral or like sensual, I would guess. I guess like yeah. of like <laughs> scooping with your hands and like lifting up the meat. But is that a, is that true of a lot of the dishes that you? Yeah, grew that's up a with? pretty good question. Actually, so in South India, which is completely different food, I'm sure whatever she served you looked very different from yeah, what she made. <laughs> Yeah. Um, South Indian food is very pescatarian. Also, yeah. they barely eat like any like animals. Uh, they'll mainly eat fish and mostly vegetarian. And mm -hmm. um, their culture is very different where it's it's almost like a different country, but they um, they almost eat everything by hand. And right. in New Delhi, North India, where I grew up, um, they it's it's there is a lot of things you'll eat by hand, but they'll always give you cutlery. <laughs> okay right it's and a little different it's not like a thing like you even i like so like the big difference is you know between north and south indians is will they eat a rice dish with their hands like mm -hmm. which is very common in south india is you put a bunch of the stuff on the rice in your yes. palm and then eat that so in north india we have a spoon <laughs> eat rice with our hands like okay got it's it like, i didn't so even for me that's like taking it a step too far. right right very messy it's like, it's like uh people who don't know how to use chopsticks they're just kind of it's a flopping everywhere i'm like i don't know yeah. how to perfectly scoop rice and do the whole thing with my hand i use a spoon for that but um but yeah it is very common in south india for there to be no cutlery so when you grew up, like you said, like you, all you wanted was to eat Western food, but like, was there a moment in your life when like you went to America and left India that you started to reevaluate your, your, the food you grew up with and started to realize, oh, that was actually pretty special. And I should have. Yeah, appreciated. that's a really good question. Yeah. So my big food journey was I came out here to go to USC to college. And mm -hmm. then, um, I was eating the cafeteria food cause I was on a meal plan. And I loved it. And now that I'm just like, there was, it was just like hot dogs and burgers like every day. And I literally, for <laughs> every years, day. <laughs> truly every day. I mean, now I don't know what was happening then, but um, yeah, it was a lot of that. It was a lot of Burger King and Subway and just, I mean, stuff now that I'm like, I, I wouldn't maybe eat, but um, I basically burned out on the first year of all of those foods to the point that I still, I don't think I believe since college I've been inside the Subway. I can't. Yeah. the smell of it just it triggered. smells terrible and i i agree like i used to go to subway and like i would eat it but now i walk in there i'm like it's i, I, I can't know. even describe I that just, smell it's, it's just, like it's smell, but i'm just like i can't do it and like yeah. i can't do i love chipotle now but like other than that yeah. i can't imagine i don't think i do i can't do any of those things because i i, I just overdid it so much because mm -hmm. i just went from having none of that to like all of it and then I remember I moved into a little apartment, I think my junior year of college um, and had a kitchen. And I truly was like, well, I can't eat this food anymore. And so I bought like a, a, a cooking for college students book at the bookstore. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> and I made like a mushroom casserole dish or something out of cream of mushroom canned soup. Uh, very <laughs> American. That's a very American yeah. ingredient. That's like every Thanksgiving yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Um, I just remember I just began cooking with that and made a lot of mistakes. I, I truly had no idea what I was doing. Um, but it was better, like the mistakes and whatever it was was so much better than any of that other food I was having yeah. that it was great. And it was only once I began really like cooking more and more on my own that I began to value like the Indian cooking techniques and the spices. Mm -hmm. And then if you really look at history, it's like partially why india was invaded in the beginning was for spices yeah that makes <laughs> for sense tea, for pepper and there was like the silk road which was like the road that went from india to china to the to the europe where it was all the transported was like saffron and all these spices and they came mm. to like do that and it was just like this very bizarre thing of like oh this is like a long history of like flavor <laughs> like right um so i definitely began appreciating like i would say a few years in what I really miss more than anything though when I first came was I I thought there would be like good Indian food in LA, but there really isn't. Yeah, I it's so like, bizarre because there's so many other cultures that are so well represented yeah. here, like Korean food, Chinese food, yeah, like and Japanese so food. Yeah, but yeah, Indian I feel food... like I discovered Mexican food for the first time in LA because I really didn't the Mexican food that we have in, in New Delhi when I was there is TGI Fridays. <laughs> like to us that, and it's very popular was when i was there and we would go yeah. all the time so it's tex-mex which i didn't know what that was at the time but that's what i thought all mexican food was like chimichangas and like <laughs> right <laughs> then when i came here i was like oh my god and i feel like that was sort of more my journey in la but i remember realizing like that there is like none and really missing it and then every time i went back i would only eat indian food like every meal mm. when i went back because 
it, it really is like so much better there. What about like your family's specific recipes? Like, did you call home and say like, hey, how do you make that thing that I love? Oh, that's like a really good question. So I didn't really begin. I When I began cooking, maybe it was this college book, whatever, but I was thinking from a very <laughs> practical college student point of view, which is, and it's really stuck with me now, which is I need to make something that I can use up a few times. Right. I don't want to cook each meal from scratch. And mm-hmm. so um, the big thing that I was would always cook was Italian food because I was like, oh, you can just reheat this pasta and like it'll yeah. taste good no matter yeah, what. Yeah, of course. And I was cooking I do a lot too. of like, yeah, that kind of stuff. And then I felt like I began cooking more like Mexican and like Asian stuff, like mm-hmm. Southeast Asian stuff versus Indian stuff. I was always very intimidated by like how to make that. And then it really, really wasn't until I began in 2020 cooking this book that I yeah. really like, I had heard of these things. Like I'd heard of like ginger garlic paste, but I'm like, do I buy that? Do I make it? Like, how do I make And then I literally bought a pesto and mortar and I was like making <laughs> But I always sort of like, cause also the grocery stores, like a, just a regular grocery store is a big like Asian section that barely has any Indian stuff. Right, that's it's true. It's like so small. And then they have a big Mexican section. They have all this stuff. And so just going to a regular store, I was like, oh yeah, this is like what they want us to make. It's like all the stuff that's available. Well, I went to, so I went to India Sweets and Spices, which yes, is, how was your experience? It was great. I mean, but it's so funny. I was so happy that I had like this recipe to shop for because it's overwhelming. Like there's so yes. much stuff there, but I bought um, just for fun. I bought tamarind paste. Yes. And um, last night I told Craig, like I wanted him to make a tamarind based cocktail. So I Ooh. looked one up and I, I made uh, he made a uh, like a whiskey sour with tamarind in it. Oh, wow. So it was really good. So you like add hot water to the tamarind mm-hmm. paste and then you um, rehydrate it or something. Yeah. And then you kind of sh- shake it with um, whiskey and lime juice oh. and simple syrup. And it was really good. But like it's so funny to like go there because I feel like it's like a treasure trove of like amazing things. But I don't yeah. know what to get specifically and like where to start so i mean did you feel i guess you had some more frame of reference when you go there like even like their like section of like packaged foods like sort of like chips and things it's like i kind of wanted to buy some of that stuff but i didn't even know what was good what was that's all the stuff i grew up with all those snacks like yeah that all that stuff i know so well like like what like what's a what's a snack i can go get there that well a lot of indian snacks are like fried chickpea flour so Mm -hmm. it's called basin and it's like different versions of fried chickpea flour and so it's like um if i think the fried part is not right <laughs> yeah Maybe. but the chickpea is protein chickpea <laughs> yeah, is like falafel it's, it's something yeah it's yeah. something yeah um so it's a lot of like basically what would be like an indian trail mix so it's very salty very savory stuff and then often you'll mix it with like dried fruit um and sometimes they come like mixed up and i love that combo together it's dried like, fruit you said mm-hmm, oh like wow and stuff so you have like a sweet and salty bite i love that um, but it's basically different versions of this fried dough. Like they can be circular, they can be like little sticks. And um, it's like an example, I guess, of, would be like a non-potato chip is like a Cheeto. You know how it's a different shape? It's like cylindrical. So there's different versions of that, like just different shapes. And often you make them in like a big platter and they're like just in the middle of a table, like at a get together. You just like grab some and like snack on them. Uh-huh. Um and so that's a big part. The other big part is I ha- grew up with a huge sweet dude. So there's a lot of the Indian biscuits that are there we, okay. we love cookies and biscuits um you <laughs> love love because that comes from the british so we it stayed with us yeah and there's a specific indian tea biscuit which is called parleji and it's had the same logo and everything since i was a kid and it's like a little indian kid like just like licking his lips or whatever on the cover <laughs> and there's like hundreds and thousands you will, you will definitely walk by it and you dip it in the tea oh, I love and then that. get it soggy and then have it like soggy and then some of the biscuit like crumbles up in the bottom of the tea mm-hmm. so like it sweetens the tea also and that was like a big thing but yeah parlay g biscuits um are a big thing but they have like all the cookies and everything i grew up with there well that's so interesting the british aspect of the culture mm-hmm. that you're talking about because it's like this book is like a restaurant in london but yes. i'm sure that the indian culture has such a complicated relationship with british yes. culture so oh it's gosh. fascinating <laughs> that like dunking your biscuit in a tea just sounds like a very british thing to do like yeah but we love it yeah, yeah. The have like stayed on and then obviously i my partner says it all the time but he was like the irony that the british came to invade india back in the day in 1947 not that long ago not even 100 years ago like we got our freedom 
But like they came and they invaded and then the Indians just came back there and now <laughs> it's like the national dish of England. Yeah, I know. It's so insane. Strange. Like who would have yeah. ever thought in the scheme of things that like it just kind of went all the way back to them in a weird way. But uh -huh. so I just did a project in London last year and it's like they're obsessed with Indian food. There's so many like people like it's so mainstream the way I, I would say Mexican food is in LA. Indian food is in London, at least mm -hmm. it felt to me like there's like a restaurant everywhere you look. And they're like Michelin star Indian restaurants and like all of this stuff, which is so cool. But yeah, yeah. it's uh, we have like a heavy British influence in India still, like really, really heavy. <laughs> I feel like um in New York, there's this restaurant called Damaka that mm. just opened up and I went there and I don't know which part of India it's from, but like that's a hot, like, that's like all the food really? critics are like all going out. Yeah, and New when York I went, has really good ones. Like, yeah, really but good. that one had goat testicles. Oh, which I'd never had before. And uh, Craig refused. To, I think Craig maybe <laughs> tried it. I don't know if he tried, but like Sorry. they had a very, is it biryani? Is that how you mm -hmm. say that? They had one. I mean, I was about to ask you about heat level because I, yes. one mistake I might've made with this recipe is the green chilies that I bought. I don't think I bought the right ones because I Were bought they like too spicy or not spicy. Enough? Not spicy at all. Mm -hmm. I bought like long green ones. And yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure if that's what the recipe called for. You gotta buy the really small ones. They actually come in packs of 30. That's the problem. I saw like, them there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you kind of are like, how am I gonna use it? And just use one. Cause it's unless you like I mean, I can't do more than one. But yeah, it's it is um it's the really small ones. Like they I didn't look realize like that. I should have texted you. Okay. Yeah, but I don't um know this... what the long one is. Yeah, the long know. one was probably just a green pepper. Sure. <laughs> I don't think it was a chili. Um, yeah, but anyway, exactly. this place, um, Damaka, this biryani was truly the spiciest thing I have ever eaten in my entire wow. life. Where like waves of sweat like were washing me, but I loved it. It was like sad yeah. it was like sadomasochism. Like, yeah. <laughs> but but in terms of like heat level and spice, in terms mm -hmm. of like geography, usually like in the in the world, the closer you are to the equator, yes. the spicier the food. So I would imagine the food in New Delhi would not be as spicy as the food in more southern India. Is that true? Yeah, that's maybe true. Um, I never thought of it that way, but yeah, it, it's so small the difference actually between north and south because we're not that big of a country that we are pretty close to the equator still but i would say it's i would say it's pretty equally spicy the mm -hmm. people really like spicy food um okay. my parents actually they and this is very normal but those little green chilies that you didn't buy they eat them <laughs> raw in between bites so there's like a plate of them on the table and in between the food that's already spiced you just have like a like a little as a palate cleanser. Oh my god! And I have this most vivid memory because my dad worked, uh, used to work for John Deere, an American company, and he would have people visit all the time, um, our house. And this one guy visited from Colorado, and he was just fascinated with my mom and dad like doing that. And so I was like maybe twelve years old or something, but I remember it very vividly. He was like, "I want to do that." And then my parents kept being like, no, 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 like you don't need to. And he was already sweating from the food as is. And then he had one bite and we had to take him to the hospital. I mean, it was really bad. You really took him to the hospital? Yes. He was like choking up and like, he was like, I mean, it was really bad. And they wow. pumped his stomach, I believe. Like, Wait, they pumped his stomach from one bite of a green chili? Yeah, I mean, he had a crazy reaction. Like he, I think part of it was that he was completely panicking. Like I think he <laughs> didn't give in to the experience. I love that. That's hilarious. Yeah. I feel like you have to write hilarious. that into like a screenplay someday. Like that I know, scene. I feel like it's... I have to. Now that Hot Ones exists, I'm like, well, people see this all the time. But um, Oh yeah, they love yeah. that. Would you ever um, go to that show? Do you know that show? Yeah, I mean, if, if I was famous enough to go on that show, I would yeah. go on that show. I don't think that will happen anytime soon. Um, I, I love seeing how people react to the, like, the like with different celebrities, like, just sort of playing it cool. Like, eh, this isn't so spicy. It's a genius it's, idea. Yeah, it is. I'm always riveted because if you watch it enough, you're like, I know which one's coming next. And you're yes. like, just, you wait. <laughs> so, so I'm curious, um, when you started cooking from this cookbook, like, were there recipes that you were intimidated to make that you yes. then tackled and then learned a lot from? There was one I was really intimidated to make and I failed and then I haven't gone back because it was Which so Which one was that? It's the doll. I don't know what it's called in this. It's basically the black doll okay. and it's technically supposed to take 10 hours. Um, really? <laughs> and it is one of my favorite Indian foods. It's called dal makhni, but it's basically black lentils in butter. Yeah, um, I see it. Page 214. If you guys want yeah. to read along, this is the Dishnum cookbook. 
Uh, yeah. Okay. And um, it's notorious in, in general. To, yes. One? Oh, my God. Yes, it yes, doesn't, yes. It doesn't yes. look very complicated. It has very few ingredients. Yes. It's just like, a, it's just one of those that takes like all day to cook and you mm -hmm. can't leave it for too long and you constantly have to like check on it. And okay. um, I got lazy, I think, and <laughs> lost patience. <laughs> this was also like peak COVID and I was like, I have the time I'm going to make this. And it, it was not good. And okay. it's one of my favorite Indian foods. And I think I was like going into it very intimidated. And then I was like, well, this was just too hard. Um, but I would, I would, I don't know if I would ever make that again. <laughs> Wait, but I think we need to do some therapy. My original okay, podcast was called Lunch Therapy. And that's how okay, I gave great. people therapy. But they, because like, let's talk through this house black doll. Put the yes. doll into a bowl, cover with water, whisk for 10 seconds. Let it settle, pour out the water, repeat three to four times. That's not a hard step. Sure, that's not hard. Tip the doll into a large saucepan and pour in at least four liters cold water. Bring sure. it to a boil and, oh, and cook steadily for two to three hours. Okay. That's where it begins, <laughs> you know, two to three off, is a big window. Yes. Give off any impurities that rise to the surface and add more boiling water as required to keep the greens well covered. The doll greens need to become completely soft with the skins coming away from the white green. When pressed, the white part should be creamy rather than crumbly. So is that the step that you screwed up? Yes, this, this, the removing, straining, the removing the stuff, I just lost patience. And I was like, I think it's enough. And then um, I think I kept being like, it looks like it's cooking correctly. And then it did not. When oh my God. I kind of want to try to make this now to see yeah, if I can pull it off. I'm it's curious. Delicious. Uh, it's truly, oh my God, it's delicious. Um, now, how would you describe Dal? Because I've had it obviously like I've had dal but like it's like sort of lent is it lentils is that what yes. dal is? so dal is basically lentil and then it can be made in like all kinds of ways and it goes from like watery to creamy okay. and this is the creamiest so it's usually it's called house dal for them but that color when it's brown you know it's made with butter and it's um I prefer the creamy I almost most will never want to eat the watery version. And actually the watery one is more South Indian um, anyways. Mm -hmm. But but basically it's just, yeah, lentils cooked over like a long period of time where they become like very soft. Like you, you don't even notice that you're eating. They're like indistinguishable. And often in the recipe, you then at the end of the cooking are mashing them against the side of the pot and I they just release into the thing. And it's just, um, it's almost like just all gravy. There's nothing else really in it. I and see. it is it's so hard to even describe it is the most incredible flavor and then i went down a deep rabbit hole on youtube cooking shows and i found like this indian chef who just makes the most insanely amazing indian food in new delhi and he made dal and this is very common they take a piece of uh, charcoal or something and there's like a little metal holder and at the end of the cooking you put it in the vessel the pot and then light it so it's like smokes up with the charcoal flavor and then put a lid on it so it infuses really and it's supposed cool. to create the the environment of a tandoor which is the indian oven have you ever seen that i have yeah I mean, it's like the circular it. black one and then you stick the food to the sides and the, mm. so it gives like the naan and everything the char or anytime they cook a kebab or something but it gives that smell i guess what would be indian barbecue the smoke of the charcoal that you can't really get but I, I it's like I can taste it as I describe it. Yeah, it sounds you have really to have good. It, like you have to, but again, I wouldn't recommend it in any restaurant here because it'll just be like a mediocre version of it. I feel. Yeah, I've um, heard that Orange County has good Indian restaurants. Yeah, Somebody, I believe that. Uh, Poonam, Poonam was on my podcast. And I think she. Oh, she was. About it. Yeah, year yeah. like a long ago. Are um, you following her food journey? Yes, I'm so jealous. This is Poonam <laughs> Patel. For those who are listening, she's an incredible actor. And she loves to travel the world and eat. Yes. And I wish I could join her. Mm -hmm. um, so in terms of dishes that you cooked from this book that have become part of your repertoire, like what are the ones that you still make? So the quima is definitely one. Um, I loved a lot of the breakfast dishes. Um, okay. A lot of the egg dishes. They're like very easy and a good way when you buy like some of the bulk ingredients to use up some of them mm -hmm. on a daily basis without like that you might not use in a full recipe. So one that was really good, I believe it's called akuri. Okay. It's like an egg toast, basically. Um, yeah. And it's just like Indian version of scrambled eggs with like green chili, like red onion, cilantro, all of that stuff. And then mm -hmm. often in India, you have all egg dishes with ketchup. Um, 
Really? And then there's a yeah, there's a special Indian ketchup that you can buy at India Seeds and Spices called Maggie. And it's like <laughs> you put it on. Okay. That's a and funny it, name. Okay. It sounds like a drag queen or something. Uh, yes, exactly. And it's basically ketchup with spices in it. So it's like sweet and savory. Oh, ketchup. I like that. That would be really American good. American pure sugar ketchup. Um, I bet it's better than American ketchup, like more dynamic. You know, I, as someone who didn't grow up with American ketchup, I'm like, I love this stuff. Um, yeah. just, That's so funny. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, but either way, like you usually put, will squirt like the ketchup on it and it's, eggs plus ketchup i don't know if you've ever had it it's yeah kind of a, when i was a kid um <laughs> i'm gonna tell you now that you've been vindicated as i flipped through this book because i found the recipe that you sent me first kima per idu you did the one with, with and that's the one with the um ground chicken but it says kima in italics in parentheses and it says spiced lamb mints so that's the definition of key kima oh, means spiced lamb mints. so there you are it is lamb oh, um so, Karin, I was going to ask you, let's pull away from this book for a second. Because yes. I feel like we're, we're doing like an infomercial for the Dishroom yeah. Cookbook. <laughs> um, and I was going to ask you, like, in terms of your day-to-day life, I mean, for those who are listening, Karin's an incredible actor. He's on Miracle Workers. I just started watching, which is so funny. Yes. It was so good. Yeah. Um, and Deadpool. So, in terms of, like, being an actor in L.A. Mm-hmm. and that kind of, you know, body-obsessed culture that we live in and yes. all that kind of stuff, how do you strike a balance between um being on screen and wanting to look good i guess and um eating what you want to well you know it's more for me like a question that's changed from my 20s to my 30s i was at 34 now in my 20s i truly didn't think about this once Mm -hmm. (laughs) and for people that don't know but like sets have really bad food for you like it's all the extremes of everything and it's free and it's in your face every second and i ate all of it and i never thought about it twice um (laughs) And actually, it was when I was beginning to do the first season of Miracle Workers, which is now like five years ago in 2017, wow. that um, I the I went for the costume fitting and the costume designer on that, she made me 25 custom suits. And she was obsessed with this idea that my character doesn't wear belts. And so she they were like measured to fit exactly whatever size I was okay. then. And I remember like, in, there's nothing like putting on clothes and you're like, there's not a inch to wiggle and I remember being like, oh. and we shot it in atlanta and in the if for people who haven't been it's some of the best food in atlanta. yes i lived there for uh, seven years i went to college there you did what yeah. college emory and then oh, i went to emory yeah. law school which was its oh, own experience my gosh. so, so the, i love was the, the food, food good back then too yes now it was it's incredible. like a big food city like yeah, i loved it fancy. yeah it's so good and you can, can kind of get away from you really fast and that was the first time I remember like being like, oh, there's, I gotta like maybe not eat everything that's said. Yes. Um, but I've always enjoyed, so I grew up a little bit heavier too in India. I don't know if you know this, but I went to boarding school to lose weight when I was. No, I didn't know that. That's so, a surprise. Yeah. So I basically grew up not playing any sports and I ate a lot of just rich foods and I had mm. a very strong, still do sweet tooth. And yes. um, it was so bad at one point when I was growing up that um, cereal in the morning, like the pure sugar cereal was no longer sweet enough for me. So my mom would melt vanilla ice cream and I would eat the cereal in melted vanilla Oh my God. Because I've heard it like is... Craig's dad sometimes eats his with cream, like just pouring cream oh into his Oh my mouth, God. Which is that. Was pretty no, but the, the ice cream is even, even more. Yeah. yeah. And That's my mom crazy. is like very sweet and loving and she has a sweet tooth too. So she would sort of be like, I get it. You want to eat? I would eat an ice cream sundae a day. Um, yeah. There's a very famous ice cream place in India called Nerula's and they basically make the sundae called a hot chocolate fudge. And it's three scoops of vanilla ice cream with like fudge sauce, nuts. It's basically like an American sundae without like a brownie or anything. It's just like chocolate sauce and ice cream. I would have them every day after school. That's after I had the cereal breakfast. Now, were your parents like um, struggling with their weight too? I mean, was this something that like was in your no, family or? Is it... it wasn't like really there. They have more of that battle now because they don't like doing as much physical activity. So it's just caught up with them a little bit. But like right. my mom just had like a really strong sweet tooth too. I think I got it from her. So she was sort of like, sure, you want this? Like eat it, have it. Mm-hmm. And I always looked cute. Like I had a, like a baby <laughs> face and all yeah. my weight went straight to my belly. So I had like a little like um, beer belly, but everything else was, <laughs> but I remember having this distinct memory where I was like, I haven't seen my feet in years. Like I remember just looking down and <laughs> <What>? <laughs> because it all went into this, like the kind of like dad belly or something. 
and it was hard. My belly was hard. I also remember that. I remember being like, should it be this hard? <laughs> Shouldn't it be like it that weird Al song? I'm, I'm fat where it's like, I can't, cannot use a phone booth. I cannot see my toes. Oh and I my go up to God. the movies and take up yes. seven rows. Um, but so, and then, yeah, I had this big epiphany. I was, I think 12 years old and it was like about the time when you start looking at people and you're like attracted or you're, you're starting to look at other people your age and you're like, wait, what am I feeling? What's happening? And I just remember being like, everyone else was like very skinny and like, cause they played sports or did some physical activity. I just didn't do anything. And um, so I joined like the soccer team or whatever. And it was a disaster. Cause like, <laughs> I'm not good with those kind of sports. And I just didn't, I was heavier and I was like struggling and it just wasn't working. And then I was eating double the amount. Cause I was like, well, I'm working. <laughs> so it was a disaster. So I basically needed a version of an intervention. So I, m- my family found this boarding school called pathways that still exists i don't know if they are as body focused now but it was a a big draw for me back then and basically you go there and you stay you live there and it, it was about an hour from where i lived and so on the weekends you you could come home if you wanted if your family picked you up but basically they did two things one you worked out for four hours a day um four <laughs> hours so a we, day yeah we woke up at 5 a.m and then we ran for an hour and 15 minutes around the campus, which was 40 acres. Um, and then ran, run, walk, run again, stop, run, walk. And then you did like 25 minutes of push-ups and other things in the dirt, like the grass. And then like a boot camp. Then you did yoga, stretching, crunches, all that for another whatever, 30 minutes till it was 7 a.m. Then you got like 15 minutes to shower and you're like covered in dirt because you've just worked out in like the wet grass after like running around and then you went to class and did everything and then from two to four you played sports so it was like monday's tennis tuesday soccer thursday whatever it was like and so swimming so it's like that was like like a different sport like four days a week and then friday you could go home and then the other big thing was um they were very strict with the diet so their whole thing at the time was they fed you the same meal for every meal and that this way, truly sounds like my vision <laughs> of hell. Like if you were like Adam, like right, type up like your vision of hell. Yes. I'd be like having to exercise four hours a day and having to eat the same food every day. That would be my yeah. hell. And it was the same food and basically the science behind it, which really worked, was if they were like, you can have as many portions of this as you want. But then it, because it's the same thing, it becomes like numb to you because it tastes like nothing, like mush. So you only eat as much. Like by the time it was the first week and it was Thursday and it was like the eighth time I was having brown rice and boiled vegetables. I was like with like no salt nothing oh on it. and I was just like, I don't even want to eat that. It feels like nothing. So I'm like, I'm just eating enough so that I'm not feeling hungry. And then, but they would be like, have as many servings. And then the breakfast was, I think the same thing. It was like a boiled egg or something like that, but you could have as many as you wanted. And then um, that was it and no sweets. And, you know, I had the big sweet tooth. And so in like six weeks, I think I lost like 60 pounds. I mean, it was insane. Like I became a stick. And what had happened was they also, this is in 2005, they, I didn't, we didn't really have cell phones. So there was no phones, but there was like a very big, like bulky little phone thing I had. And they would take it from you in the beginning, because what would happen was a lot of the kids were having like nervous breakdowns and just like mental breakdowns. Yeah. It was so extreme from wherever you're coming from, like to work out that much and to eat that kind of food and not be at home that a lot of them were like calling their parents crying and then their parents would melt and then bring them home and pull them out of the school. Mm-hmm. So the rule was for the first four or five weeks, you could not call your family and you could not, they could not come see you. Even if you were a weekly boarder, like I was, some people were there for like the whole year and they didn't go home and want these two students, these American siblings who are Indian. I don't know if they were being punished for something, but their parents dropped them off on a vacation. They were told they were going on a vacation to India. <laughs> dropped them at this school and left. And they would, like, every week take the, because I they weren't in my class, so I would only see them in the food hall. They would take the tray of food and smash it, like, on <sighs> the ground as a protest so that they would have to call their parents so then they could talk to their parents. 
and be like, I want to come home. And I felt so bad for them because at least I was like, my house is an hour away. I'm not like in it from another country. Like it's so. Yeah. Crazy. And did you, you voluntarily chose to go to this yes. place? So the, basically my parents took me on a tour and I fell in love with it because at the time I was, and still I'm a huge Harry Potter fan and I was yeah. reading the books and stuff. You know that you worked with Harry Potter on Miracle oh, Workers. Do I? No, do I? Yeah. Oh. I'm just making sure that you knew that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I had posters of it in my bedroom. Um, and so I was like a huge fan and I became obsessed with the school had four houses. This is the other really funny part of the story. And they were earth, fire, water, wind. And it was based unofficially on your weight and size because you, okay. would, you would be magically put into a house and no one knew why, but it was pretty clear. So earth was the heaviest then there was water, then fire, then wind. Um, and basically the the idea was fire and wind would play sports matches against each other like soccer or whatever and earth and water would play against each other and to make it fair I guess they were just like which were you I started as a water so I was definitely not like one of the biggest people there and then like three weeks and I had lost so much weight that they moved me to fire and uh, I was like, all my friends are in water and they're like no no you're in fire. <laughs> now, did so you just, like so disoriented like, what's happening if, if you had had a phone would you have called your parents to come oh down? my you... gosh yes i mean i was miserable i was really yeah. really having a bad time and then uh, it was just such a shock but partially i went on the tour and i just the school looked really beautiful i'd just been built and now it's very common but back then a lot of indian schools did not have air conditioning they just mm-hmm. had fans and the classrooms had 60 plus students. And in the summer and most of the year, it's over 100 degrees. So I just remember walking into the school being like, there's air conditioning. The classes have like 35 students. And it looks like Hogwarts. Like to me, I was like, <laughs> there's houses and like, how fun. Like, I'm just going to. And it looked really beautiful. And it was just an hour from home. And I was like, I'll get to go home on the weekends. It seemed great to me. I was like, this seems great. And then I, it was really shocking, like the ex- actual experience. And then um, week five, I remember my mom came to pick me up on Friday because it was the first time we were allowed to go home after the one month initiation where you're not allowed to see your family. And she did not recognize me because I lost. Wow. And I mean, is is that healthy to lose that much weight in such a short period of time? I I think at that age, it's probably fine. Yeah. There was no medical checks happening, but to me, I'm like, maybe it's fine because I think at that age, you're just so elastic. But she didn't recognize and then she started crying because I think I looked to her like emaciated because I was also like a very chubby baby so I've always sort of had that always I think so for her to see me like really was really scary yeah it's fascinating uh, like that that like connection between like parenting like mother a mother's love like feeding mm -hmm. and like the physical like um, yes. manifestation of, of that love being that like you're well fed and so like then yes. that, I think I, but that can also screw you up so I think it's so yes. complicated my mom is one of the best cooks I know and mm-hmm. she her food she can make anything but it's incredible and she gives love by feeding you like yes. it's non-stop like, that's and- what I do that too <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah, feed people true. that I love I yeah I like so, to feed, yeah it's so great it's such a yeah. wonderful thing because like yeah it's it's yeah I think it's so amazing but yeah there's definitely it's it's hard when it, we bump up when I have to be like she's spent like hours making these like multiple feasts a day and I'm like I think I can only have one of these like it's too much but so then it's did, like, not hurt their feelings but yeah so did this program ultimately like give you a healthy relationship to food and exercise or did it mess you up yeah it definitely gave me the very good question healthy relationship to exercise because i literally never really done it and then actually since then i've worked out i try to like five days a week if not seven um and i've dabbled with different things and now i have stuff that i really like actually enjoy doing and i do i just did today um and i do i I will try to do it every day and actually now if i don't do it i feel very off like Mm -hmm. on like long days if i'm like working a lot and i just am too tired i'll feel very off um the food thing i didn't have to really as much worry about because when i began working out it didn't really matter i could just eat whatever i wanted Mm -hmm. and then in my 30s i really began feeling like maybe i can't do that (laughs) Oh yeah. And it's, it's Welcome been to, like, wait yeah. till you get to your forties because then it's oh, like boy, everything goes out the window. It. Yeah. I don't yeah. even there's yeah. just yeah. Was that recent for you? And then you were just like, No, oh. I'm 43, about to be 44. And I think for me, it's about embracing like who I am ultimately. Like I was never able to strike the balance between loving to cook and wanting yeah. to be very fit. Like I can yeah, never yeah, yeah. find that balance. And sure. so now my Has thing is Has anyone like... figured that out? I guess Padma <laughs> Lakshmi, right? She yeah, Padma. Amazing. I mean, a lot of like these like Jamie, not, I guess not Jamie Oliver, but no, like yeah. um, 
certain like buff chefs on TV are like, yeah, how are sure. you, how do you look <laughs> like that? But for me, like, it's like, I, if I was going to the gym like five days a week, which I did for a period, mm-hmm. and then I like bake cookies for Craig at night, I'd be like, well, what am I doing? Like now I'm like yeah. eating chocolate chip cookies and I just exercised for an hour. And I don't know. I, I couldn't. Yeah. So my new thing is like walking a lot. Like I like mm-hmm. walking and I trying walking. to like eat like salads and stuff during the week and like trying to be mm-hmm. somewhat conscientious, but not to just not to try to become somebody I'm not, I guess is where I'm at. Sure, now. sure, 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 sure. But this yeah, isn't about big, me. This is about no, you. Yeah, my big thing <laughs> now in my 30s is that I don't always have all three meals a day. Yeah. This is my new thing, which always used to be like, I will eat no matter what because I have to have dinner, right? And then sometimes yeah. I'm like, am I hungry right now? And if I'm mm-hmm. not, I won't. And then some days I'm very hungry. And then some days I'm not as hungry. So I'll, I'll skip a meal or something. And I'm a little bit more like intuitive with like actually checking in before it's meal time and being like, yeah. do I want to eat? And that's a big thing on set because you just snack all the time. Oh, yeah. And now I stopped this last season of Miracle Workers. I was like, I will not eat any snacks. <laughs> um, and because I was just like, I'm just eating this just because it's there. And I was yeah. like, a lot of times I'm actually not hungry. And I'm I was like, in a writer's room once and they had those um, Trader Joe's Reese's Pieces, like peanut butter cuppy thingies, sure, like they're little sure. tiny ones. And I remember vividly being like, I'm just going to eat four today. Like, and I would take four and I would put them like next to my little notebook and be like, okay, mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. But then by the time the end of the day rolled around, it was like four o'clock and we're still working. I was like grabbing fistfuls of it, like oh, more yeah. peanut butter, more chocolate, oh, you know. Yeah. Um, but I was going to ask you before we wrap up, like you yeah. mentioned that your mom is an incredible cook. Yes. Um, so what are the things that she makes that you love the most? Oh my God. She, uh, her Indian food to me is the, my favorite, um, but she can make like sort of anything. Like she, this last time I visited home uh, in December last month, she made dim sum from scratch. Like, really? Like the, the, the roll, like the rice paper roll, everything. Yeah, she can, she's like a pro, pro savory cook. She doesn't bake or do any of that. And this stuff. is, she's still in India? No, they live in Georgia. Oh, in Georgia. Okay, I missed yeah. that part of the they, story. They, okay. they live in Augusta, Georgia. So when I was in college, they, my dad ended up getting a job here in Georgia. And so I they see. sort of moved. And in India, this is very common, but most even middle class um, uh, households have, help so you have Mm -hmm. usually like a maid and a driver and a cook and almost no people actually cook the food in their own kitchen they'll have someone do it because a majority of the Indian population is below middle class and they like work in the cities as the help essentially Mm -hmm. and so we always grew up with eventually at the end we had two different cooks and my mom would always sort of tell them and they would literally like Kailash was like the last book we had. My mom would literally bring takeout and he would try it and she'd be like, make this at home. And then he would like experiment and do all this stuff. And like, so she didn't have to ever step in a kitchen. Um, She did initially before she got married, which is like this very sexist tradition where she has to learn like some dishes a man would like or whatever. And that's like her memory. (laughs) (laughs) She learned that. And then I think she cooked a little bit in their first home because they lived in a joint family. So they lived with my dad's brother and his wife and kids and everyone. And so there was like a cook there, but they were still like, you have to make some stuff on your own. And then when we moved into our own place, we had a cook and she never had to do anything. And then she came out here and, you know, she sort of like rediscovered cooking really from the first time. And she's Mm. so good at it. And she takes a lot of pride in it. Yeah. And so her Indian food I would say is the best but she can make truly pretty much anything like like what Indian dishes that she makes do you like the most um well I also food with food stuff I stopped really eating most meat and stuff in 2019 also because of age thing because I have really bad cholesterol genetics which I've discovered and blood pressure genetics which is so fun um because I feel like I live such a healthy life compared to my parents but you can only fight it so long I'm like, no matter what I'm doing, this is still a problem. So mm-hmm. I tried as much. So, so trying to switch to being a vegetarian as much as possible has helped avoid a pill so far. So I've been doing it. But um, so like her paneer makhni is amazing. Her dal is amazing. Um, she also makes naan from scratch. And from oh, wow. from scratch. And then every morning when I was there, she made me um, like on a paranta like indian scrambled eggs and then like onions and different things and you almost wrap it up and it's like a breakfast burrito i'm gonna like try a- that i actually was thinking because i had two paranta left this morning mm-hmm. and i was gonna like have you ever made skillet. a chutney um yes but my, the chutney i made was from like the barefoot contessa which is probably not oh. that authentic <laughs> <laughs> but it's really good it's like Maybe. ginger and apples and raisins and um no 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 no, no. 
no, no, no. You don't want to make, no, that's not, yeah. You got to make a, <laughs> the Indian green chutney. It's so easy. You just bake it in a food processor. But it's basically just like cilantro, different things. And it's green and it's, um, you put mint and it's very like light. And it just, the mix with the savoriness of the other ingredients, it's like yeah. so refreshing. Mm. It's not meant to be spicy at all too. And okay. often I'll make a chutney grilled cheese too. So like you can just put it in everything. You just make it and then it's like a use all condiment. It's like an Indian salsa, I guess, or whatever. But um, you'll probably have a lot of the ingredients for that still left over. Um, and I'm sure- What is a chutney like that you buy in a jar? Like like what? Because like the, the one that the barefoot can, yeah, the barefoot contestant one's like sweet. Yeah. Yeah, they can be different. Um, a chutney is just, I guess, a word for salsa, like okay. which can be like red, green, whatever you want to make mixed. And so, but the green chutney is the most common- in Indians food and specifically street food, because the big things that are common in Indian condiments are something that have a cooling energy because there's mm -hmm. so many spices. So also the yogurt and the thing you put is, yogurt is very common in a lot of things because it just mellows out a little bit, otherwise it's too intense. Mm -hmm. But most chutneys are meant to like cool the palate in the same bite as you're eating something very savory. And a green chutney to me is like just, it's just amazing and okay. so easy. I'm gonna make that, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Well. Um... Karin, every episode begins with the dish that you told me to taste to have a, you've got to taste this moment, but I'm curious, what was the last thing that you tasted? This is the Ooh. final question. Um, that was a, you've got to taste this moment for you. Like a thing Ooh. that like you, the last best thing that you ate is another way to phrase the question. That's a really good question. I just had something called mushroom fries. <laughs> really? I've never yes. heard of that. Um, at Great White. Do you know this LA? No. Where's that? So it's um they used to have just one in Venice, but now they have one in Larchmont and one in West Hollywood. And I went two nights ago and it's mainly known for its breakfast, which is okay. like very good, very simple, very well done, expensive. Well, mm. we know LA prices. <laughs> yeah, of course. But very good and very good coffee, very and very nice aesthetics. Um uh -huh. and um, but then I went for dinner and they have like a whole other dinner menu and they have I ordered a bunch of the cool thing about being vegetarian or trying to be as much as possible is you just eat a bunch of sides, which I love sides. Yeah. <laughs> like tapas every night. And so one of them was mushroom fries. And it's basically um, um, oyster mushrooms in like a very light tempura batter. Okay. And then with like a very, like a harissa mayo. And it was just mm. like very simple, but I was like, I could just pound these down. Like they were so yeah. very oily because of the tempura batter. And, I love um, that. So it was very good, and I just I'm like go there. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, yeah, the one in Larchmont because it's not that far from. Okay, yeah. I will. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I I feel very inspired, and I feel like we covered a lot of ground. And now yeah, I want to go to the Indian store across the street and buy a bunch of stuff. So yeah, buy I the will. biscuits. Yes, I will. All right. Well, have a great rest of your uh, weekend, you and I'll see you around. Alrighty. All right, that's all for this week's episode of You've Got to Taste This. If you want to try the recipe again, you can find it at AmateurGourmet.com. And be sure to give me a follow on social media at AmateurGourmet on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And we'll see you back here next week. Have a good one.
Okay, thanks for listening to this week's episode of You've Got to Taste This. If you want the recipe that I made that Felicity sent me for the poppy seed bread, I'm going to include it in my newsletter, which is amateurgourmet.substack.com, and it's free and it comes every Monday. And if you want to see all my cooking and everything on Instagram, I'm amateurgourmet on there, as well as Twitter and TikTok. All right, I'll see you back here next week, and let me know if you made this. Tag me in your posts. Bye.